Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to today's Live Inspired podcast episode. So glad that you're here with me today, and I'd love to stay connected with you all week long. Could you use a little inspiration beyond just this podcast? If you could, I hope you can, connect with me. I'm very active on social media, sharing positive, actionable thoughts and videos and posts about what could be inspiring to you right this moment. So find me on Facebook by searching John O'Leary Live Inspired. My Instagram handle is johnoleary.inspires. Or if you're hanging out on Twitter, the handle there is at jolearyinspires. Anywhere that you are on social media, we are hanging out as well. And we are sharing news that is elevating for you in your work, in your relationships, and in your life. And I'd love to extend a special invitation. If you enjoy the Live Inspired podcast, what would you say about joining me once a month live? And what would you say if you could do this from the comfort of your own home, your car, or your office? It's not just about joining me, but also about joining hundreds of other like-minded Live Inspired community members. And my friends, that is what I'm extending to you today, the invitation to join us in the Live Inspired in studio with John O'Leary community. It's where we come together once a month for this exclusive webcast. We take pause. We focus on what is most important to you. We overcome challenges that affect you, and we ensure that you have tools to live into your best life, both personally and professionally. Registration for in-studio only happens a couple times each year, and here's a secret. Come on, lean in toward the speaker. It's happening soon. It's coming this May. Don't miss the opportunity to hold your spot right now. I want you to be one of the very first to know when in-studio registration opens. So go right now and learn a little bit more about in-studio by joining me at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash waitlist. I'm going to say that again. johnolearyinspires.com forward slash waitlist. I'd like you to go to that link right now, learn a little bit more about what in-studio really is, how it's going to elevate your life, and why you ought to uh, learn when the waitlist becomes the opportunity to join us live and in living color. So one final time, johnolearyinspires.com forward slash waitlist. I can't wait for you to join me there in this exclusive community. I'm looking forward to doing life together with you. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, thank you, Joe Buck, and hello, my friends. I want to thank you for joining us on episode 146. Can you believe we've made it that far? 146 of the Live Inspired podcast. As you know, every Thursday, I have an opportunity to invite incredible guests to join me to share a little bit about their successes, their challenges, their life, and ultimately, they share in order to help you and me live inspired. Today's guest is no exception. This gentleman is the definition of inspiration. He is a country music singer. He's a gentleman whose billboard chart-topping songs I bet you've heard. He's the author, the singer, the producer of the work, Boom. 
He's living in Nashville chasing his dream, and maybe you've heard this one. more about that song and the story behind the lyrics. And it's really not about dating, although that's the way it kind of portrays itself in there. It's really about losing that first contract with the publishing house. My friends, today I am so excited to welcome Walker Hayes onto the Live Inspired podcast. And as incredibly talented as he is as a singer, he's even more gifted and talented and devoted as a husband as a father, as a son, as a servant, and now as our dear friends. So Walker Hayes, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Hey, John. Dude, thanks for thanks for having me today. I, honestly, I appreciate it. And uh, I, like I said, man, I love, I love what you're doing. I really, really do. I, I stand behind it. You go, man. <laughs> well, as I said in the introduction, when, I, when we said yes to this interview, I assumed I was just interviewing and just in quotes. I did finger quotes for those of you uh, listening just a country star. And uh, although <laughs> although that's part of the story and that's part of what you do professionally, the story today and what I get to hear and what our listeners get to hear is so much more than just music or just fandom or just the tour dates. It's an incredible story of ups and downs, of lows and highs, and ultimately uh-huh. of dancing your way forward, man. So I, I really, really appreciate not only the work you do, but setting aside a little bit of time to spend this time on our podcast with us. Well, dude, thank you for saying that. Yeah, I mean, because honestly, on behalf of all artists, I think I think the music is just our business card. You know, we all really just want to, we want to impact beyond that somehow. You know, especially a guy like me, I, I have kids, I have a wife, I mean, the music is just how I provide for mm-hmm. them. That would not be enough to tour and then to leave as much as I do. I, I want, I want to meet people and I, I want to inspire people some, somehow and make a difference. Walker, for those who have never heard Walker Hayes, or some of our listeners have never heard, you know, country music. What is this? Yeah, yeah. Tell our listeners in your own words how you would describe the music that you create. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm super fortunate and, and my music has no real boundaries or, or rules or walls. Um, you know, my team, they encourage me to, to literally write. They, they, they're interested in my life and my story, and that's all they want to hear. And then, you know, thank goodness that's all my fans want to hear. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it is, it is stylistically, it's a mixture of everything. I listened to it as, as a kid and I, I honestly listened to it all. There's not one, mm-hmm. you know, genre that I, that veered away from ever. I, I, I loved all types of music, but where people find me, you know, now mostly is, is through the country outlets. And I think that's because my songs are so story. There's mm-hmm. such stories. You know, they tell stories, every single one of them, and, and they're all true. One of one really important uh, piece of attention I, I pay to, de- to detail is, is making sure the facts are exactly, you know, how they went down. And I'm frequently asking my wife, hey, 
this, this lyric, this is right, right? Like mm-hmm. this, this shirt was that color or, you know, this is when this kid was this, this age. Right. And, um, you know, I'm checking my facts, but yeah, I mean, my music, it's just stories. Um, you know, and I, and I find that the more specific I am about my life, you know, when I, when I say how the car smelled or, mm. you know, what the, what color the, the letters were on the license plate or something, the, the more specific I get, the more people can relate. And I love that. That makes it more fun for me because I don't have to, I don't have to sugarcoat. I don't have to narrow, dumb anything down. I just, I'm, I really have complete freedom. Well, you know, when I go to, to a notepad to begin a song and I'm, I'm so grateful for my fans for allowing me to do that. Walker, when did you know that, uh, man, I am going to do this? I'm not gonna just maybe write a little bit of song. I'm not just gonna only sing in karaoke bars on Friday nights. I'm gonna right. make this thing work. Well, I have a unique, a, a definitely a unique beginning to, to my musical story. Um, yeah, I graduated in about 2002 from Birmingham Southern College, and I was supposed to sell real estate with my dad. And uh, my dad had always believed in me uh, beyond just kind of a regular job or anything like that. He had always pushed me to, to try things musically. And he was a um, music minister at First Baptist Church of Mobile uh, before I was even born. And uh, anyway, he was always pushing me, you know, to, to seeing in front of people and stuff like that. And honestly, I was a little insecure about it. Athletics kind of gave me the identity that I desired as a kid and, you know, music made me a little bit nervous. It was a little out of my comfort zone. Um, so, you know, I did it sometimes in choirs and stuff, but when I came home from, from college, my dad heard me just kind of noodling around on the guitar and mimicking, uh, people. And he said, Hey, you know, you should really do that in front of people. You, you, you need to play, uh, in this bar off of Dauphin Island Parkway. And, so anyway, I, I kept saying, Dad, hey, you know, leave me alone. This, at about this time, I had just gotten engaged to my high school sweetheart, Lainey. I, I had already told her parents, hey, I'm going to be living in Mobile. I'm going to sell real estate. So I didn't need to kind of wander off that path. And uh, anyway, I finally said, Dad, you know, if, if you will leave me alone and, and not bug me to do this, I will do that one night, you know, and I will give it a try. I did, and I fell in love. I mean, the, the moment I finished strumming, the, you know, the last chord to the first song I played at, the, at this bar, I knew that I was hooked. I mean, I was doomed. Were you playing um, your own music, I, or were you... Were you uh... I was playing cover songs. I had never written a song. I was about 23 years old. I wasn't good. Uh, there were three... There were about three tables of people, and the, the only reason they clapped is because the waitress that agreed to let me sing when I would finish the song, she would walk by and clap and then everybody else would kind of follow her lead. And so I played cover songs for about an hour. And when I walked out of that bar, um, that was it. I mean, I, I called, I called my fiance at the time. I said, Lainey, you know, do you want to, you want to move to Nashville and I want to be a singer. And she, she said, of course, you know, that sounds fun like an adventure. And then I had dinner with her parents the next week and she was actually out of town. So it was just me and her parents. And I've never been so scared in my life. I mean, they, they were devastated 
they could not imagine why in the world, you know, I would want to do something like that. They, as a matter of fact, they even said, do you sing and play in front of people? And I said, well, not, not a lot, but I will when we get there, <laughs> you know? And so we literally drove a U-Haul from our honeymoon to our apartment in Nashville. And I still hadn't written a song. I didn't know. I just went there to sing. And uh, when I got to Nashville, we started going to this place called the Bluebird Cafe. And at the Bluebird Cafe, you only sing songs that you have written. And I didn't even know that. Uh, We showed up one night. I put my name in the hat for the open mic night and I was selected. But I realized before they called my name that everyone in there was singing songs they had written. And uh, I had not written any songs. So my wife and I actually snuck out when they were about to call my name. And then we returned two weeks later. And and I obviously, by then, I went went home and I wrote my first couple of songs and and just began learning how. And that, you know, that was like 14 years ago, you know, that that we did that. So that was the first time I ever wrote a song. And again, you know, my first hundred, were terrible. I had other jobs, you know, it took me a while to get a publishing deal, but that's when, that's when I fell in love with music. And I'm so grateful for that moment. I mean, it hasn't always made sense. I've had a lot of arguments with my dream, uh, to say the least, where I, you know, when I was working at Costco a couple of years ago, there are many days where I woke up and said, I just don't want to love you anymore. You know, I just don't want to, I don't even want to want to do this anymore because all it is, is, is doing nothing for me, you know, in return. I'm, I'm, I'm unable to, to pay my bills. I'm not making sense to anybody. You know, here I am working at Costco. I'm, I'm barely feeding, you know, my family. This town isn't responding to, to anything that I am, I'm pouring out of my soul, you know, but I also, at the same time, as I raise my children, gosh, I hope so bad that that they that they somehow maybe I encourage them like my dad did or, or whatever. However, they get there, I just hope they wake up one day and and get to fall in love with with something like that, like I have with music. You know, I do know because uh, I know your story through your songs and uh, several of your songs have actually f- brought tears down my eyes. And I, I want to walk through your story, Walker, yeah. by having you share this the story of the song. I, yeah. I, I think most people are writing about their neighbor's dog. You're writing about yours. Most <laughs> people are writing about yeah. their uncle's pickup truck. You're writing about your, like your songs are about you, man. And uh, right. it just gives us a cool glimpse into your life. So let, let's begin with this one. Craig, let's go. Before we, before you and I started recording this podcast, you and I were talking about a yeah. bit of my story, a bit of your story, how we all have heroes in our lives. Some of them are yeah. celebrity in stature, others are just the guy who held the door open when we were struggling mightily. Yeah. For you, one of the great heroes in some regards of your journey is a guy you met named Craig. Talk about Craig. Yeah. Craig. Craig and I met about three and a half years ago. I still ain't figured out church yet. But Craig, I get now he can't walk on water. I turn a nap of valley red. But he just might be tight with a man that did. Now he's not the light of the world, but I wish that mine was 
just might be tight with a man that is. And at the time, I was an alcoholic, a functioning alcoholic, and. I had been working at Costco for about six months. I would work there from about 4 a.m. to 10.30 or 11 every day. And then I would go into a publishing company where I write songs. Um, uh, my wife and I had just, we were pregnant with our sixth kid. Um, and I was also hiding the fact that I had lost a record deal. So I had been dropped by Capitol Records. Things were just looking pretty rough. Uh, on the money front, you know, we were barely, you know, making it month to month, you know, food and, and our mortgage and stuff on our house. And to top it all off, in, in order to, to bear the weight of all those responsibilities, I'm ashamed now to say, but I, I drank to, to remain sane you know, as I carried those burdens. And so basically my, my point is if you, you, from the outside looking in, you know, as I think of myself upon those days, I, I feel sad. You know, I want to give me a hug, you know, three years ago, um, but because I understand you know, what I was feeling, but I, I wasn't dealing with it in, in the best way. But my wife, you know, as she as she does often, uh, thank goodness she she dragged me to this church. She met a girl named Laura Cooper, and she met Laura at one of my son's basketball games. And uh, you know, I've yet to write her song, but she deserves one. Uh, but she invited Lainey to a church that met on Saturday at an upstart church called Redeeming Grace. And I'm just gonna say it, you know, I'm gonna be candid here and admit. My attitude was so cliche. I mean, I, I, I cannot believe that, you know, that we were going to visit some random upstart church, you know, that, that, that was suggested by someone I didn't even know. You can imagine my discomfort for someone who already didn't, I didn't want to go to church, you know, like as the song says, my I don't want to be here face, it, it was written all over me you know, that I didn't want to be there. The church met on Saturday night. So I had definitely, I'd had many beers that day. Uh, I'm sure I looked like crap. You know, I'd probably worked at, at Costco that morning. And um, so we, you know, we strolled in, you know, with our family, you know, five kids, Lenny's pregnant. And uh, again, you know, from the outside, I I was just, you know, I was almost waiting on somebody to, to just look at me wrong. You know, I just did not want to be in this building. And this guy, Craig, just pops out of nowhere. And and just the grin on his face, it just said, it's okay. It, it's almost like it just said no judgment. Like I've never read it on anyone's forehead ever. You know what I mean? And I don't know why, but, but he and I, we didn't even really talk a lot that night. I just knew that he didn't care what I was, what I, the, the filth, what I looked like. Um, there, I, there was no need for me to pretend that I wanted to be there. You know what I mean? It was just acceptance. He and Laura, I say this, I mean, lightly, but it's, it's almost as if they adopted us. You know what I mean? They they began to, they had us in their home, you know, with all our kids. Um, my music, for instance, you know, that 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 some people 
I think are like, hey, uh, you know, Walker says a bad word here. Don't don't let your kids listen to that. He was never like that. Um, you know, Craig would show up at some of my shows in Nashville in the nastiest places, and I would see him on the back row, and I would see him chatting somebody's ear off, and I knew uh, what he was doing. He was always sitting back there going, isn't this guy great? Hey, y'all listen to this guy. Like this guy's going to be playing in some big venues one day, you know? And, uh, I don't know. He just wrapped his arm around Laney and I, and he just loved us. I mean, he accepted us for who we were and, and, and the problems we had and the issues I, I was, I was facing and, and really just, I, we, we just built a relationship or, or he really instigated that when I didn't even really want one with anybody. The, the story is, is based on the van that he loaned us when basically when this company found out that I, I had an endorsement with a car company and I, I had kept getting dropped from a label a secret. And cause I knew that when they found out they would probably want this, this car back. And honestly, I had no means, I had no way to, to provide for us uh, uh, another vehicle. And so this van did get taken from us. I remember watching it be put on the truck and my, my kids were, they were fascinated. They were like, this is amazing. You know, watching them, you know, put the car on the truck. And I remember just, just the heartache thinking how, you know, in the world, you know, I'm glad they think it's cool and all, but I have no idea what we're about to do. You know, in our families, I, you know, we, I, I stayed pretty estranged from the, the in-laws and my family because most of the time we talked, it was a lot of worry about us. And I, and I, and I, and I was ashamed that I felt that it was my fault. And um, so anyway, Craig shows up, you know, we've become best buds by now. Craig shows up at one of Beckett's baseball games. And he just hops out of his his old Chrysler van, and and his wife pulled up shortly after him, and he said, "Hey man, you know I want you to to have this. All you got to do is sign." And he was smiling, you know, and and to tell you honestly, I was mad, um, I was proud, I was angry, you know, I did not want to accept his van. I was just so ashamed. Um, and as a matter of fact, Craig is like a He's like a high school champion wrestler. And at one point, his wife said, hey, he'll wrestle you for it. And I was like, fine, I'll take the van. And, uh, you know, I even remember my daughter sitting sitting on the side saying, dad, just, just take the car. You know, as I drove home, that's when it started, this change. I learned so much beginning then when I, when I drove home. The, the burden lifted off of, of my shoulders. It allowed me to kind of take care of some other areas of my life that I needed to. I began to learn how to, how to accept help. I learned a lot on, about how to help people. You know, Craig never, um, he never asked if I needed help. He, he saw a need and he consulted with his wife and they said, we can give this family what what they need right now. You know what I mean? And and he just did. He didn't ask if I wanted it. He said, "No, you need this. Take it." There there was a zillion lessons in what Craig did for me. But again, it it really 
it, as, as you can see, it changed me as a human. And, and it also, um, it inspired me to want to be like that, you know, for, for other people. And then I never thanked Craig, you know, when it, when it comes to just man to man affection, maybe my, my brother or my dad, I'm very playful about it. And, you know, I'll say, Hey, I love you man or bro and then you know it's usually followed by a very masculine punch on the arm or something like that and and I noticed you know I noticed over time that I was like you know I don't think I ever really thanked Craig for for what he did for my family you know my my kids we're not we're not packing you know eight people in a Honda Accord anymore driving around you know and and um and so I thought, you know, my my gift, I, I can't, you know, I'm not good at it, at most things, but I can tell somebody something with a song. And, and so I just began to whittle away at just what I thought of Craig and what I, what I truly thought of Craig after all this happened was it was kind of a spiritual revelation for me. And, and what that was is that, you know, a lot of my life I have spent judging messengers, you know, when it comes to Jesus or, or Christianity or, or, or the Bible and stuff like that. I've always been perplexed by, you know, how we can act as humans, but proclaim one thing. And that is, you, you, that's always been perplexing to me. And when I thought more and more about Craig, I, I, I've developed that chorus, you know, like, you can't walk on water or turn to Napa Valley Red, but dude, you know what? He might he might actually be tied with somebody that did, you know, because again, just the the way he he loved us, Craig Craig loved us so much that that sometimes Landy and I were like, why? Because we had nothing to, you know, Craig had nothing to gain. I, I was not a I was not a a celebrity at that point. You know what I mean? I was a nobody. I was a negative number on the celebrity scale. I mean, I, w- I was bad famous in Nashville for, for nothing happening. And again, an alcoholic with, with six kids. I mean, where was I going career-wise and just life-wise? And I don't know, his, his love and his, and his wife's love for us was just so um, overwhelming. And it still remains that way. I mean, he is that constant example on earth for me you know I'm, I'm so grateful just to have been one side of that relationship and and thank i'm so grateful that i had a pen and paper you know while while it was all going down because watching and listening how people are inspired by that story is absolutely just humbling to say the least it's, it's mind-blowing um and as as your story is too, I'm sure to, to to watch the way people are affected by your story, you're just grateful to have been a part of that story. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. And and uh, what I will say about our stories is they cause people to stop in their tracks. And that's exactly what I did when I heard what Craig did for you, the way you wrote it down, the way you sung it out, thinking about his response and then recognizing all of our calling to be a Craig for someone else. And you don't need to give away the minivan, but little right. things aren't, man. Little things aren't. And your your stories through your songs remind us of that. You you wrote a, a song that went big 
really big. It's it's my wife's favorite song. I don't think <laughs> I don't think it's for this reason, but it's called "You Broke Up with Me." Whoa, girl, on down a notch. Ain't nobody making you watch me get my phone, get you on. No, girl, can't touch my good as gold. I know it's difficult. Can I say, babe, you broke up with me? And it's really yeah. not about dating, although that's the way it kind of portrays itself in there. It's really about right. you losing that first contract with the big the big publishing house. Talk talk about you broke right. up with me and where you came up with the lyrics for this one. Yeah, well, you know, that one is 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 personal and, and from the heart. And you know what what happened. That was just a the what what exactly happened the the real the exact reason I wrote that song is as soon as word got around in Nashville that I was basically getting a third or maybe fourth chance at this as a career meaning music, my phone just started blowing up, and a lot of those people. You know, I learned over time we're fair weather friends and I would never judge them because unfortunately I do that to people too. And, you know, we all do that to each other. But, you know, when I lost my second record deal, I'm pretty sure 90% of Nashville said, hey, you know, that ship has sailed. And, you know, no one had really a reason to associate with me as, a, as an artist or a musician. And I was basically rescued by a guy named Shane McAnally. Mm. And this guy actually did when all others would not listen. This guy continued to listen to material that I would send him on a weekly basis. And he would critique it. And he would just, um, you know, he was very attentive in a, in a town that wasn't so attentive to, to anything I would try to, you know, expose and, and get critiqued on. And so anyway... When Nashville found out that he was going to make a record on me, so many people from years past, you know, began to call and say, hey, you know, remember me? Uh, this is Joe Blow. Uh, I want to see if you wanted to write or uh, grab some coffee. And while I had no ill feeling towards them as, as people, I was very busy, you know, with Shane. And then again, I'm a dad. I have six kids. I unfortunately can't you know, meet with every single human all the time. And, and, and I came home and that really was heavy on my heart. I felt bad because I was like, you know, those guys did write with me or they did work with me, you know, back in the day. And then my wife actually said, hey, you know, why, why are you so, why, why are you so down on that? You know, at some point you got to move on. I mean, they, they <laughs> broke up with you. And I was like, oh my gosh. You, you know, and then, and then I began to enjoy a little bit like, hey, you're right, Lane. <laughs> you know, I did. It's not like we vanished. They they left me. Mm-hmm. And, and so I started to think about how fun those moments are, you know, and how that's where you want to be every now and then is you want to see people or, or just situations that you've maybe lost. You want to see that crowd go, Hey, we want back in, you know, that camp because, because things are going good. And that's a, that's a good feeling. You know, that, that's a, 
that's a hey, you know, I made it through a tough time and now I'm better off for it and and they're seeing it. So that was a fun moment and and honestly, that song for me was a testament to kind of what we're talking about. I mean, though it wasn't as deep as the song Craig, lo and behold, there's a lot of people I didn't know out there that needed that sentiment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They they, you know, when I sing that song at night to a thousand people, you should see the the faces. Like you can tell these people are thinking of someone and they are singing this loud and they look at each other and smile and they, they feel that freedom. Like I'm better now and I'm mean right. it, you know? And, uh, I, can, I love when I meet like a mom and she's, you know, she's at my show with her 15, you know, 14 year old son. And, and she's like, Hey, you know, me and my son listen to this in the car all summer. Um, because you know, his, his first love broke his heart, but we, we cranked this song up together, you know, and, and it got us through a tough time. And then there's people who are like, Hey, you know, my dad died last year and this song just made me smile, you know? And, right. and uh, that t- to me, somehow all, all that story be, be, being said, what I said, it's about somehow that emotion is what a lot of people needed when that song came out. Well, and it uniquely mixes not only the story, but the playfulness. So that the, the whistling right. is carried forward, the way you play the boombox and everything else going on, man. It's it's a great, great, great song. So I can't recommend that one highly enough. And 90s country, of course, is a, a gangbuster success. But the one I want to talk about next is, yeah. is Pain. Oh wow! The name kind of calls it out, man. So we're we're kind of shifting away a little bit, a little bit from the the one where you're whistling in the background yeah. into one where you're admitting and acknowledging a struggle. But what what is pain all about? Well, you know, pain is, to me that the word pain, especially in that song, means good hurt. That's what it means to me. Is just and I experience this a lot, man, uh, and I know. I know a lot of people kind of on this side of, of tragic experiences can, can relate with what I'm feeling, but, um, it's when it's kind of when you see your struggles and, and all the, the hard learning you've had to do all come together in one moment and you go, okay, I see why I see why I went through that and I see where I am now, and I see what I've got to do with that wisdom. And that's kind of what pain was for me. Uh, it was a it was a moment. I was on a lonely road, actually going to pick up a part to one of my uh, guitar pedals. And, you know, it was a kind of, kind of a, driving is always a, re- a time of reflection for me, and I usually drive in silence. I enjoy it because I'm usually surrounded by so much music. Uh, that the quiet is nice. But that morning I was listening to Bobby Bones on the radio and all of a sudden unannounced, he played a song of mine from one of my eight tracks and it's called Beer in the Fridge. Mm-hmm. And this song is very raw and it's it's about, it's about a beer that was in a mini refrigerator where I write. And it's a beer that I looked at for many months right after I quit drinking. Yes, I've got to live without you now because I couldn't live without that beer in the fridge. 
last of twelve Soul survivor of my last all-nighter in the bottom shelf It's gonna be there in the morning Even though you won't You're the reason I quit drinking The reason I want to get drunk and it was basically a personal battle. You know, I would open the fridge and look at it and shut the door. And for me, that was like, I control you. You don't control me, you know, not mm-hmm. to get too deep, but that's, you know, that's, that's what that, that's what that beer symbolized for me was kind of like, I own you, 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 you don't own me. And so anyway, when I heard that song, it's, it's very, just the the sound of it's very eerie. It's just soft spoken and understated. There's no no production whatsoever. But man, something you know when he played that song, I, I was just overcome by one the fact that I you know that I'm driving around Nashville and that this guy's playing my song <laughs> on a, on a massive station. Right. right. Um, two, sometimes my lyrics are so honest that I, that I'm nervous. I'm like, man, there's a lot of people that are about that are hearing something about me you know that's very ugly and and um you know as i listen to that lyric i just kind of broke down because i just felt this wind of just this second wind just this breath of like new birth you know what i mean mm-hmm. i just i as i i i thought about a lot of things. I thought about how many years, you know, Lenny and I had dreamed of me having music as an occupation. And, and, I, and I thought about all the dangers we had overcome by me being an alcoholic. And, and I thought about quitting. And I thought about, you know, there, there's a part in that verse that I'm so ashamed of, but I'm happy to share with people. Um, but it, it's about me coming home and, and being sick. And, and my wife basically lying to my son on my right. behalf and saying, Hey, you know, dad's he's just got enough set stomach, run up, run up back to bed. And, you know, it's just to, to me, that moment, I just felt the, Oh, I just felt, I just felt the purity and the, and the fresh feeling of recovery <laughs> and just the swift, like wind in my face running down that road. And I had to pull over. I mean, I literally, you know, couldn't see through the windshield, you know, I was crying and, and I, I called Laney and I really did say, Hey, you know, I put him on speaker and I was like, listen to this, you know, it's not a CD. Like this is, this Bobby is playing this, you know, this song on the radio. And, um, yeah, I mean, and, and then, it, and then the, the last verse of that, it, it just gave me this kind of like feeling of purpose, like, you know, I just write these moments and sometimes when I sit down to write, I go, Hey, I really hope this helps somebody in life. And at that moment, I was, it's almost like, it's almost like I accidentally wrote myself a pep talk and it mm-hmm. got played on the radio and I heard it myself as if I didn't write it, you know? And, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough moment for me to describe the song the song does it way better than I can just talking candidly, but it, it, it was a special moment and I just had to, to write about it. <laughs> well, dude, you, you certainly did capture it and write about it. 
and uh, Lainey. We, we've heard whispers of her name repeatedly during our conversation, but now I want <laughs> yeah. you to roar it out there, man. She, 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 oh, she, man. She's a stunning, she's a beautiful lady. She's uh, the love of your life. And you've been through some ups, currently one, you're living it right now, but some downs. I'm curious, during yeah. the low period, dur during all these periods, um, what is it about Lainey that makes her so remarkable? Like she, she just seems like one of the real heroes in your story. Oh man, you know, don't, <laughs> don't get me started. I mean, she, I don't know uh, what it is. You know, she, she has a superpower. Her study is as, as rock solid as my uh, whimsical and just, we're, we're very, mm. we're very balanced. It is as as much as 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 I am a high feeler, high high highs and low low lows and just she's another Craig for me. Like to, to me, she's she she is like that. She uh, has always, you know, loved me for exactly who I was. There's a song on my record called Halloween, and it and it has to do with me being able to walk in the door and wear no masks, no costumes, just so insecure and, and bouncing around and, and with, with creativity and imagination, she is just a steady force, you know, that has held our, our family together. And, and, um, but I knew it was something different, you know, when I met her, but man, all through, 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 through my, struggles with drinking, you know, alcoholism, she could have, she could have easily walked and no one uh, would have blamed her. I mean, she was just so compassionate and kind of the way she approached me about it. I'm not going to say we didn't have, you know, arguments or, or fights about that, but somehow the way she loved me through all that when I quit drinking, it was my decision. It wasn't her. It wasn't a, it wasn't based on like an ultimatum. And I tell everybody, a lot of people ask me, they say, Hey, you know, I have a loved one who's an alcoholic. How do you, how do you deal with that? And I'm always like, man, I wish I could give you Lainey's phone number because whatever she did, that's what you need what to do. You should do. And, and, the, and the thing is, you know, we would have discussions and, I mean, Lainey is it's, it's, it's kind of like she's, she's she's my therapist. I mean, she 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 just listens and um, points me in directions, but but not in a. I never felt degraded or, or judged. It, it just I felt cared for most of the time, you know. And if I didn't, that was me just being angry. Tell everybody before we would have conversations, and there was a point where I could have a discussion with Lainey while I was a functioning alcoholic and I could say, Hey, I, I know I have a problem. I'm just afraid. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what tomorrow will look like if, if I'm sober, you know, like how, how, how will I, how will I handle this socially? How will I perform, you know, on stage? How will I, how will I do this and that, you know, how, how will I sleep, you know, knowing the money that we don't make, um, with, without being drunk. And, you know, to, to be able to come to that point and admit those things, that's miraculous. I mean, I don't think, um, I mean, I have other problems and I'm, and I'm in denial about them. I can't admit that, 
And I think she was so important in helping me come to that point. And, and again, she just, as far as my story is concerned, she's the cornerstone. I mean, she, she has, as far as when it comes to being a mother, I'm astounded. I had no idea, you know, when I was a junior in high school that I was meeting a rock star, you know, mom, uh, you know, born to, to just mother children and then raise them and, 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 and just blow my mind with, with her, her skill set, the way she does that, her patience, um, her appreciative for the little things and the moments. I mean, I am the guy who, who you, you have to say, Hey dude, hold up, look around. There's some really cool stuff going on that you're missing because you would like to progress. And just looking at her, you know, when I walk in the door reminds me of that because she is so aware and concerned with all the precious moments, you know, with our children. And uh, honestly, I don't know what a lot of people say about, about their, their spouses, but I'll freely admit um, if I ever impact anyone in a positive way, it's because of her. It is, it is not, you know, I, I would not be so, solo. I would amount to very little. Um, <laughs> she, is, she is very inspiring. It's nice to have someone, as you know, you know, when, 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 when a man or woman wakes up, there's nothing cooler than, than wanting to go do what you love for someone else. And that's, you know, she's the reason that I, that I leave, you know, or walk out or that I even pick up a pen and, and want to share it with other people. I mean, honestly, I'm sad to say without her, I don't know if I would really have that motivation. So man, after hearing that story, what it, it makes me even more moved to know that you almost lost her many times, not only through the periods of ups and downs, but you almost lost her when she was delivering your seventh baby. What, what happened there, Walker? Man, it, it, it was such a storm of so many good things and, and, and honestly, just nightmarish, you know, worst things that's ever happened to me in my life. The, the morning of, I was supposed to basically debut, have, have my first performance on an award show on, on public television. It was the CMT Awards. It was June 6th. You know, Lainey had carried our baby longer than any baby she's carried. So at this point, we're just like, we're, we're just so excited. We, again, the first child that wasn't early, Lenny carried Oakley past her due date. And we had planned to do a home birth. Um, I know that's a topic of, you know, some people argue for and against mm. that, but we had nothing in our, in our history that said, don't do that. To honest to, to God, every pregnancy, every baby delivery previous to that had said, why you even go to the hospital? I mean, literally, Lanny would, would go into labor and 30 minutes late, we almost had two kids in the car on the way to the hospital. And, and you know, Lanny did them with no, no drugs or anything. But anyway, that day, I was supposed to perform on the CNC Awards that night. And then I was supposed to leave and go, you know, out on the road and, and play some shows that were pretty important. And, uh, you know, it was just a big happy time for us. Everything was so happy. 
and 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 life was just really just we were high on just happiness and, you know everything around us and she went into labor that morning and immediately it was just different uh it was longer by an hour into labor you know usually laney we were about we were fixing to have a kid in our in our arms and anyway the, the midwife comes over and she's checking the heartbeat on on oakley and everything's fine everything's going as planned and then something just went terribly wrong I, and i can't you know i wish i knew the moment or you know i wish i could have done something or or anything but at about eight o'clock that morning the midwife could not find the heartbeat to the baby i mean it went from strong to nothing the, the midwife you know, had no, no answers, but, you know, she asked, thank goodness. She, she said, you know, this is no longer, we have to call an ambulance and the ambulance came and picked Lanny up and we left our kids in kind of the neighbor's care. The kids weren't awake yet. So, you know, I knew they, we, we had to leave somebody there to, to, so when they woke up to say, Hey, you know, mom and dad are at the, at the doctor, man. And they rushed her to Williamson County medical and they began to go to town on Laney. I mean, they, they took her in to surgery. They couldn't find the heartbeat there. And uh, Laney was kind of in and out of just, I want to say consciousness, but she just wasn't all there, you know. And um, anyway, they took her back. And, man, I, you know, I just, I get bad goosebumps just telling you this right. story. I mean, right. I, I sat in a room. And, uh, you know, about 20 minutes later, you know, which, you know, when, when you're doing that, it feels like forever. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm sitting there and about 20 minutes later, a nurse, you know, or at the, the doctor that was actually performing surgery on Lane, he came out and said, Hey, it's a girl, but she did, we could not resuscitate. Uh, and they said, we tried. So that, you know, for, for, you know, just yeah, again, right now I'm about to start crying. Cause you, cause every time I say that out loud, I go, I have a daughter, you know, but I don't have a daughter. <laughs> so that moment to me immediately, I, I was in kind of a mixture of like, Oh, fatherhood mode. Like, Oh my God, please, you know, don't tell me, don't tell me that, that, that I heard my kid's heartbeat. 30 minutes ago, but, but now it's gone and won't come back. You know, that was kind of the, right. that was my, like the math I was putting together where I was like, what? She was so close. Like she was just right here. You know, everything was great. How does that happen? And then, you know, I realized 45 minutes go by, you know, and then an hour goes by and then, you know, the doctor continues periodically kind of come back and, and saying things like, Hey, we are, still trying to stop the bleeding, you know, and then it got, oh my gosh, like, this isn't supposed to happen, you know, like, I get it, you know, I get it, we lost the baby, I don't know why, but, you know, so, so something's up, and, um, you know, apparently, Laney's uterus had just ruptured, you know, and, and, and of course, you know, I've looked, I've, I've beyond researched uh, uterine rupture, and it's, and it's one in a gazillion chances of happening but when it does you know it it is scary and and people don't know a lot about it and um it can be fatal and so 
thank goodness, um, about an hour and a half later, the doctor comes back and, and she looks me in the eye and she says, I don't know why or how you, your wife stopped bleeding, but the bleeding stopped. So in that sense, you know, I'm wrestling with the miraculous thing that my, my wife is alive. She has survived. What really I didn't even know, again, I didn't even know going to, to the hospital that I was losing uh, Lainey. You know, I didn't know I was losing her until she was gone and and under the knife. And um, when Lainey was put into the um, kind of where, you know, where you wake up and, yes. and she was kind of in the intensive care area waking up, her body temperature was low, low 90s. I mean, it was incredibly low. She... She lost like two thirds of her blood volume, and and so thank goodness for blood donors. Talk about an awareness for for blood drives and stuff. She would like kind of kind of wake up, but she was still very very drugged and stuff. And she would she would touch her stomach, and she you know I knew she, I knew what she was asking. You know she was wanting to know about the baby because she didn't know mm-hmm. anything. And so I would say, hey, it's a girl. But, you know, she died. She, did, she didn't make it. You know, they tried. And I would, I would literally watch her body convulse, like, pain. And I was worried. I was like, dang, you know, she almost died in surgery. Right. Am I, should I be telling her this stuff? Because I, like, I feel like she's about to die just for me trying to explain to her, you know, what happened. And honestly, as a, as a, as a dad, as a man, I have never ever had to like this trumped all of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life, you know? And, um, so she had a dry erase board. She would wake up again in 20 minutes and she, and we would do it all over again. She would touch her stomach and I'd say, you know, it was a girl, you know, we just did, we did it like three or four times until she finally was really awake. And, um, and man, she was just crushed, you know, she couldn't talk. She had a tube down her throat. She just wrote, well, I guess we'll just have to adopt. <laughs> and, uh, you know, to me that, that sentence right there where she was lying, it just explains Laney, you know, just, she was just born to, to have kids, you know? And so to be, you know, to watch her be told Hey, that's the last kid you're gonna have, and it didn't live, and you're done. It just crushed her. It was so sad, and then, and then you know, um, actually, Craig showed up. They wanted to hear about Craig. I'd read that he showed back up in your life for this. Yeah, Craig. Craig showed up, and uh, man, just we cried together. And uh, you know, I was angry, and I asked him. I said, I said, would you just please go get Leela? Because I mean. Um, Again, these are all like emotions I had never hurt like like this, and 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 I wanted, I just wanted one of my kid, like right. somebody, you know, I wanted the people closest to me, and he went and got Leela. You know, Leela came back, and when we cried, and I took her in, and and um, and we held Oakley, man, we held, we held her, and Craig, I held her, and Laura held her, and um. You know, we we held her that day and um, just hugged on her and just took in every 
body part, you know, we could with our memory and her, her, her face. And uh, she just looked, you know, like the, the rest of our kids, you know. And, um, man, but we were surrounded by people, again, like Craig. And um, there was actually a woman, I, she showed up, and she had actually lost uh, her daughter maybe two weeks before her due date. And she came and just inundated me with advice that I needed. And it wasn't like she came in and said, Hey, this is how you do this. But she, you know, I was so confused. Um, you know, I didn't know one, how to tell my wife this. Um, you know, I've never, right. it was the worst thing I've ever told my wife in my life. I wanted to lie. I, w- I wanted to change the outcome because I, I knew how I was going to crush her. And also, you know, not to be morbid, I didn't know what to do with with the kid who died. I mean, was I supposed to hold this kid? Was it healthy for me and and Lainey to to meet this kid? How long do you hold it? You know, how do you say goodbye to her when when you're when you got to go home? You know, and and we just didn't know. I'd never planned a funeral uh, in my life, and thank goodness um, this girl. I mean, she just educated me and was like, "Here's your options." You need to get pictures. You need to do this. So, so that's an example, you know, of how, you know, I think Lainey and I would have a ton of regrets right now right. if if this this angel hadn't showed up with the same experience and and just been able to guide me and say, no, you need to go hold your daughter now. You know, you need to get pictures of your daughter, and you need and you do need to put them on your phone, and you do need to have them around your house. You know, and 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 again, um, you know, here's where you can bury her, and here's how, and you know, here's places that will do it this way and that way. And uh, actually, um, man, it was really amazing. The the uh, this is the weirdest story, uh, and I don't even know if I've ever told anybody in an interview this, but about six years ago, we, my wife and I, and my kids were leaving a restaurant, and we're always very just spontaneous. And my kids looked out the window and they saw a cemetery. And they said, Dad, you know, what's that? And we we just got out the car. Mm-hmm. And, like, I pulled over and I was like, hey, you know, when you die, this is where they put your body. It's kind of a freaky place. Like, a lot of horror films take place. You know, I told them mm-hmm. all about cemeteries. And I was like, you know, this is how they're laid out. And, and some of them are houses and some of them are just rocks and you know, this one's probably a soldier or something, and they didn't know who he was, you know. And anyway, that ends up being, you know, where this girl that had talked to us, this is where her daughter was buried. And so as we were we were frustrated, we were looking for where we were going to bury our daughter, which is a place that I, I hope no one ever has to do that. Um, but, you know, because nowhere is beautiful enough. You just look at every piece of ground, and you're like, this is just this is terrible. This, is, this doesn't do my, my daughter justice, this, you know, it's, and it's too far away from our house and, and you're just confused. And anyway, I, we looked over and we saw the, da- the the girl's name of the girl who told us all that information. And we just started bawling, you know, because we knew, you know, Oakley would be buried, you know, right next to her. And then uh, the funniest thing happened this dog came out of the woods and uh, a <laughs> lady 
Lenny looked over at me and he said, that dog is about to pee <laughs> on one of these graves. And man, lo and behold, that dog did. It came over and man, it made us laugh uh, when we needed to laugh. And we just said, you know, that is, that's just like our house. You know, there's a dog peeing over here. There's hazel over there. Here, yes. and there's a, yeah. And it just, man, it just really comforted us. And, um, but man, just, you know, my story and, and just that story, people lose kids, kids lose parents. And, and that's just, you know, death is a part of life. And I mean, I want my daughter, you know, I, I want her to, to be turning seven, eight months now. And I want to steer rolling over and, and things like that. But there are some beautiful relationships that have come from that disaster in our lives and, and, and somehow that tragedy has, has, has improved Lanny and I's life. It's improved our relationship. I can definitely see how something like that traumatic can destroy a marriage because Lanny and I have learned that we both grieve very differently. You know, I'm an angry griever and she's a silent griever and, and we have to communicate and we've learned a lot about each other. And my kids, you know, are forever changed, mm-hmm. you know, from, from this. They, they all wear a necklace that, that is somehow, you know, in memory of Oakley. And, and they, they struggle too. Like, hey, when you ask them how many sisters and brothers you have, you know, they, they answer differently to different people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, I'm so grateful, you know, that, that I was not left alone, mm-hmm. you know, that day. And... Again, you know, I always look back and, and Lenny and I struggled, you know, with, with what if we hadn't had a home birth, man, you know, or, or, or what if we had just, you know, done this or that, but you can't, you can't, you, you know, we have to move forward with the circumstances we've been dealt. And, and somehow, again, like I said, there, there's been beauty uh, that has come out of this. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's a, it's a story I freely, I freely share and I, and I actually enjoy when people ask me about it because it's way more important to me than, than my career, you know? Well, your heart behind it and the way you articulate it is so refreshing and painful, but also there's this tinge of joy even as you're sharing the story and, and, uh, man, we need more of this in life. Not, not pretending like everything's perfect all the time, but uh, acknowledging what's wrong and broken in the addictions and the ability to take the big next step forward. So Walker Hayes, as you look forward, man, what is next for you? You got your six babies in the backyard. You got your beautiful <laughs> wife watching over them. You've got your angel in heaven watching over all eight of you. But, yeah. but what's next for you as you look ahead? Man, uh, like I said, you know, I think before we, we started recording, you know, my on a daily basis, you know, losing Oakley has forced me to, to look for, for more than even my little mind wants to, to normally look forward to, you know, I think left to my own druthers, I have a tendency to focus on climbing the ladder of success or, you know, obtaining specific, you know, worldly desires that will, you know, protect my family in ways that my little brain thinks are extremely important. What I desire though, is just to be used, um, you know, on a daily basis and to not, to, to not just be so narrow minded as to think 
that my only calling uh, is to write another hit song, You Broke Up With Me, and collect dollars and build some type of career or brand. You know, my my desire is that, you know, I'll get out of my own way and perhaps sit next to someone on a plane, you know, who just needs a hello. Or maybe in a meet and greet line, I hug somebody and that's exactly that's what they need. Right. Um, you know, and, and to not overlook that kind of stuff. Because like I said, all one, one, one amazing thing that I, I didn't want to learn by, by losing a, a child is how much the things that I, I focus on don't matter. <laughs> and, and that's just, it's just not what matters. Um, you know, and, and again, like I said, I have to remind myself that on a daily basis, um, to, to, to quit comparing me to other artists and accept, accept my gifts and, and, and be proud of them and, and the walk out and, and try to, try to make a difference and, and let there be a difference made in my life by those differences I make, you know? Um, and, uh, just to stay open-minded to that stuff. And, and again, purpose is a word I say to myself over and over. Like if, if I'm on stage and I'm in my own head thinking, I don't know if the show is going great. I think, Hey, I have a purpose and this is where I'm standing right now. And I'm supposed to be. And, and, and I try to, Again, look in some eye, you know, out there in the crowd and, and, and think, hey, maybe that kid is watching my guitar player and tonight's the night he decides I want to play the guitar, you know, or maybe I'm seeing Craig tonight and this person knows somebody that needs to be shared that song. You know, you know what I'm I saying? I just try, I just try to remind myself it ain't about me. I, I'm just a, a vessel. And I and that I I need to be where I am. Well, Walker Hayes, you are where you are, and we're gonna wrap up this episode with seven quick fire questions. We call them the Live Inspired Seven. And every one of our guests, man, gets asked the same seven questions. So question number one for yeah. Walker Hayes. What's the best book you've ever read? Oh my goodness. Wow. The best book I've ever read ah it's a weird book it's called jitterbug perfume and it is by man you're gonna don't worry about the author tell it what's the what's the essence of jitterbug perfume it's called jitterbug perfume and it's by a very unique writer and uh basically it's historical fiction and it takes place uh you know it starts way way early we're talking hundreds BC and it comes to current day and uh it's about the power of an aroma and it, I know it's it's a very unique book but uh it's very um it's a it's a very purpose driven kind mm -hmm. of uh read but it's very unique and then I also just read a unique book called uh, a man called Ove and uh I really enjoyed that What's one positive characteristic or one trait that you possessed as a little kid growing up in Mobile that you wish you exhibited as brilliantly today? One characteristic? Yeah. Uh, you know, um, a little more carefree growing up. Um, you know, I think age and responsibilities has kind of tapered that and I've had to 
remind myself that, hey, you live on this earth once, um, you know, leave it different, leave it better. And I think a lot of times we can do that by taking ourselves a little less seriously. And I definitely did that as a kid. <laughs> Walker, if your home caught fire and your bride and all your babies and, and uh, I think your dog, Hazel, everybody's out, man. And you have an opportunity to run in and grab one item. What's the one item you would run back in and grab? Oh, wow. Uh, man, I mean, nothing, nothing's really that important to me, honestly, but there is a, um, there is a ring that, um, it's, it's, it's not even a ring on, on Lenny and I's first date, um, well, I took her to a monster truck show. I was in 11th grade and she was in, she was in 12th. And we went to a monster truck show. And after that monster truck show, we went and we got McDonald's French fries. And then we went to a construction site. <laughs> and at this construction site, there was a genie, like a, uh, right. a piece of machinery that raises super high up in the sky and goes down and you can drive it around. And for some reason that night, uh, the workers, they had left a key in this genie and Lainey and I got in that genie and shot it super high up in the sky. And we sat up in that genie and we talked for hours. And that night I picked up this piece of scrap metal and I, and it was it was like pretty firm, but I, I wrapped it around her finger and, uh, and just gave it to her kind of, kind of as a joke that night, but she still has that ring. Uh, and she actually wore it all through college. Um, and then uh, she doesn't wear it anymore. She wears, you know, <laughs> her real ring, but I don't know why, but I, I think I would go for that, I guess. That is an awesome story. I've never heard before. If, <laughs> if you could sit on a bench overlooking a beach on a gorgeous day and have a long conversation with anyone living or dead, who would you love to have that nice long visit with? Oh, that's a good one. Um, living or dead? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this might be. I I think I I think I would love, you know, to to do that. And, and there's there's still time, but I would love to do that with my dad. Um, and and put aside, um. It's just kind of all fear and 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 pride and um and messing around and 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 um I don't know I I, I think he I think I would love to just sit down and just talk to him for a little while you know um yeah that's such an awesome honest answer and we had we had a listener uh, write in recently who said the exact same answer. And uh, what yeah. this listener did was they actually took their mom in this case out to a beach and she's got Alzheimer's and, and they spent oh, time really unpacking life while they still could. And so whether yeah. it's Walker Hayes, I'm talking to our listener right now, thinking the same thing, like, Hey, do it, just do it. Yeah. I don't think we ever regret yeah. the conversations we share with those we love. Right. Well, you know, your story impacted me on that, the, the, that you never um, got to tell. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we hit him that that 
that that's what I thought. I immediately thought of my dad, and I was like, you know, I tell him I love him and passing right. and 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 this and that, but I don't know if I've ever made him sit down and and look him in the eye and been like, hey, you know, this is I'm not I'm not just saying that you know right. I truly feel this way about you. Well, dude, when you uh, sit him on the bench overlooking the beach, take a selfie, and then uh, in the small yeah, subscript of your yeah. next album, you can you can dedicate that song to your buddy O'Leary up here in St. Louis because <laughs> yes. I sense a song coming on about your dad. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's the best of advice that you've ever received? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure my, my father actually told me this, um, and I think it's it, it sounds very just, quick and easy, but I think there's so much more to it. And I tell my kids this over and over, but I feel like the way you, you actually judge a man is by how he helps someone that cannot help him. Mm. And I just think it, that says it all, man. I mean, I, I, you know, I think that's who Craig is for me. I think that's who Laney is for me. Um, I think you experienced that and with, with your testimony and your story, it's it's um it's an unselfish just unconditional love that 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 you, that you can share you know it's again in my line of work there's a lot of relationships that you try to make sure are mutual and hey I'll, you know if i collaborate with him and it helps each other but it's how you help someone who can do absolutely nothing for you that that's that's really a testament to who you truly are as a as a human Walker, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Uh, I would tell my 20-year-old self to not drink. <laughs> uh, I would tell, uh, I would tell, you know, I've, I've heard somebody say this about their their younger selves, and I, I can relate with this. I don't think it's like that brilliant. But I think I would tell my 20-year-old self the same thing as I would tell my, you know, 38-year-old self, the day after I lost Oakley, I would just tell him it's going to be okay. You know, I, I would, I would just hug him and say, Hey, you're going to be all right. You know? And, um, yes, I would, I would, I would tell, tell my 20, 20 year old self that. Walker Hayes, it has been said that all great people and musicians and husbands and fathers and recovering addicts, and you give me any other term you'd like describing you right now, I'll throw it out here. But all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like your one sentence to read? Oh my gosh. Um, one sentence. So just about me? Yeah, or man, just summing up basically like a. It's summing up the essence of your jitterbug perfume life. How would you wrap it up in one sentence? <laughs> um, you know, I, I often say, I often say, I, I tell Laney I, I, on my tombstone, I wanted to say he loved her, um, and then and then point, you know, to her, to her grave, but um. Man, I would I would like it to say something like that on a grandum on a grander spectrum, you know. He loved, um, and and obviously I wouldn't I wouldn't want that to be in a selfish way, um, like I just described. I um, 
I I want on a daily basis to desire to leave every person I talk to feeling better and and better better than I found them um, in in the world. You know. Walker Hayes, you you saw a lot of commas, but yeah, that that for sure was one sentence. Semicolons. And dude, after listening to your music and now understanding why Amy, our podcast producer, and my wife, her name is Beth, are such huge fans of yours, I'm a huge fan. I love your music. I love your heart. I love your story. And I am so excited to share this journey now with our listeners. So my friends, that is Walker Hayes. He's awesome. I am John O'Leary. Today is your day. Live inspired. Do you love me if you do? Check yes, please. Girl, you know you think my tractor's sexy. Got me spinning like a two-box junkie. Making me feel like 90s country. You make me feel like 90s country. Well, my friends, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Walker Hayes as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. There were so many incredible takeaways from our conversation. Not only is he incredible as a musician, but this is a guy who has weathered some storms and somehow has weathered them with great joy. We could unpack that. We could spend a lot of time talking about some of those storms, how he went through it, how he endured it, and what it means for us. But the character that I want you to jump into right now is not Walker. It's actually Craig. It's that guy who sees someone else struggling and rather than seeing it and turning away from it, he walks over to it. He approaches it with his hands out, his heart open, and his mind thinking of a way that he can make a profound difference for someone else. I'm not begging you all today to buy used minivans for those that you know are struggling in life, but there is no doubt that there's an opportunity right now in your lane, in your life, at your work, in your family, in our community, to reach out to one person and in doing so, transform their life like Craig transformed walkers. What an awesome example to follow in all of our journeys. My friends, if you enjoy this podcast as much as I love bringing it to you, I know that once a month you will love joining me in our exclusive membership community. It's called the Live Inspired In Studio. Live Inspired In Studio is the place where like-minded friends gather to take pause, to focus on what is most important to them, to overcome the challenges that they face, and to ensure that they have the tools to live into their best lives personally and professionally. Our next live webcast for In Studio will be May 20th, and we're going to be focusing on how to unlock the secrets of joy from the world's happiest people. You're not going to want to miss that exclusive conversation Registration opens only a couple times each year, and it's happening later this month. So join the Live Inspired in-studio waitlist at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash waitlist. And I'll send you an email when registration finally does open up. So here it is again, my friends. Write it down. Join me there right now. johnolearyinspires.com forward slash waitlist. I am looking forward to doing life together.